0: Well, welcome back to Two Pastors and a Mic. My name is Shannon, And I'm Corey. And we're so thankful that you're listening today, wherever you're at. We also would like, if you would leave a review. Do it. We love to listen to those. Well, read them, I guess. Yeah, we can't listen to it. I usually listen because you usually read them to me, so I do <laughs> listen to them.
1: I read them as sweet lullabies.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I appreciate that. So if you haven't done so already, leave a review. Uh, give us a rating. Do it. And But most importantly, share this podcast with yep. someone you know a friend, colleague, coworker, just somebody in your family maybe that you could have great conversation with them over these podcasts.
1: Yeah. Question of the week. You ready? Let's do it. It's a doozy. If you got $25,000 every time you pressed a button, but there is a 1% chance of you serving a 10-year prison sentence, how many times do you press the button?
0: Here's the deal. I'm already 42. (laughs) You asked me this a couple days ago, so I have had time to think about it. And my answer hasn't changed. I don't hit it. At all. Not one time. For 10 years and there's a 1% chance. Here's the thing. My kids are still young. I might only have another 10 years with them. <laughs> especially my youngest, Jude, who's nine. Dude, I, I don't take the chance. At all. Not even I mean, once. All right, let's let's no.
1: let's put some speculations on it. What about a five-year sentence? Cut it in half.
0: Well, and I thought about the other one. This one five years for just 25 grand. Here's the thing. I don't know how many times if I hit it once, am I just going to keep hitting it? So I, I'm going to say no.
1: Five years, five too years. High. Okay. No. One year prison sentence.
0: One year for 25,000. Every time I hit it,
1: I hit it. Yeah. So the one year is the, is, is it two years? Two-year prison sentence, or we just- I don't know. I, I'm down to one.
0: one. I'm down to one, okay, and I hit how many, the button, how many times? and I actually keep hitting it until I get the one-year prison sentence. <laughs> that is no, I'm going to keep playing those odds, and I'm going to run that horse to death.
1: So you're at 100- I'm like
0: thinking so logically about this, like I'm blowing my own mind.
1: So you're at 80, 80 presses. What is that? I keep pressing. What's 80 times 25,000? I don't know,
0: 1. 1.6, 1. 1.7 million. No, no way.
1: Is it that much? I don't know. Sure. And you're just keep pressing. I'm going to keep pressing. So if you press it 100 times because people will be like, oh, that's not the right odds, but 100 times, it's still a 1% It's still 1%. 1% it time. hasn't it,
0: changed. Yeah. So it's just like flipping a coin. They think, oh, it's, you so know, what's the dollar- it's been head for five times. I'm going to bet tails. No, it's the same. Like red and black at, you know, at the roulette wheel. The odds don't change.
1: So what's the... Uh-
0: the odds are still, what is it? 49% because there's two green.
1: How many times, like how much money in totality for you to actually stop? Or I just, won't stop. You just go, you're just knowing. I'm literally going taking- to go
0: it, whether it's on the fifth try or the 5,000th try, I'm going to keep pressing it until I get just one year because <laughs> one, it's worth 25,000. So if it's worth 25,000, logically, it's going to be worth however many times I want to hit the button. So
1: you're at a hundred times, you're at $2.5 million. You're just going, I'm keep going 200
0: times. I swear, you're at 5 I'm, million, dude, I'm going, you're just, even if I get to 40 million, what's the difference between 40 million and 41 million, dude, I keep pressing the button pressing I, until I, I get it Till you get a, wow, but you're in jail. I'm going to keep running those odds. That's what I was <laughs> saying at 10 years. I'm not going to take the chance at five years. I'm not, cause if I hit it once. And if I take the odds hitting it one time, it's the exact same odds the next time. It ain't like, oh, now it's worse odds. It's like a two percent chance. No. Yeah. So it it's that line. Once I get to the point of making the decision to hit it, I keep hitting it non nonstop. I'll keep hitting it the rest of my life. <laughs> even if I don't ever <laughs> land on it.
1: <laughs> when this question just got so weird. We spent four minutes talking about odds. But that's, that's a fair okay. fair conversation. I like that. Yeah.
0: Maybe we'll put this out on, on uh Facebook. Or Instagram and see what our listeners would say about it. Yeah, it's very. I'm I don't curious. know how I
1: would answer. I, I hate these types of questions, personally. Hypothetical, yeah. dude. You have an answer? What is it for you? At ten years, I am probably hitting it ten times,
0: and, and risk ten years in jail. Yeah, my kids are young. <laughs> <laughs> just I, I'll take I'll take care <laughs> of and the kids for you <laughs> while you are in jail. <laughs> oh man! All
1: right. So week two, you have permission. Last week we talked about you have permission to ask questions. And again, this is a foundational uh, from week one, actually. I don't know right. why I said foundational, but the the foundational verse, so to speak, is 1 Corinthians 6.12. Everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. We also quoted 1 Corinthians 10.23 as I have the right to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. Not everything is constructive. And so we get asked all the time as pastors, can we do this? X, Y, Z. And so yeah, last week you have permission to ask questions. This week you have permission to not give an answer. And again, this is just a recap from our very first
0: episode, which is crazy that we're almost at a hundred. And of course I mentioned this last week in this asking questions part, like free to ask questions. There's a lot of times I get asked questions and I don't know, but there is something in me that I feel like I have to know. Yeah. Honestly, this, this conversation, do you remember this? We
1: were with Dan Dyer, who is one, a guy that, that oversees us and He was, I can't remember where we were. It was some type of arm meeting, and he was talking about this tension that people live in about having to give a response for the reason for why they give the answer no. So, like, if you ask me a question and my response is no, typically, and I do this a lot, typically I'll tell you the reason for why I can't. So, hey, let's come to my house this Friday, and instead of me just saying no, I'll say, no, I can't. I've already committed to going to a high school football game and give you a reason so that you feel better Oh, not you feel. I feel better for telling you no. no. And his whole uh, spiel was just about this idea that no is a complete sentence and no is sufficient. And you need to stop giving people a reason. Now, I understand that there is sometimes a reason that is absolutely necessary, but we live in this tension. I don't. I don't really do a good job of just saying no and using it as a complete sentence. Right.
0: I don't think I can do that either. Honestly, I have such a hard time just telling people no to begin with so, the few times I may tell people no, I actually always have to give a disclaimer as to why I'm saying no what do you think that is i really i think well, for me, I know it's my my people pleasing and I want to make everybody happy, but i think i don't say think this is every time yes, we have to give our- per, ourselves permission to just say no and that's okay to leave it at no no, I don't think I can make that or no i I can't come, and that should be enough. But I think there's if there's a close relationship like me and you, like you said, yeah. Like if I said, hey, let's hang out Friday night, and you said, no, nah, I'm going to this high school, you know, football game, like you said. I'm like, I would expect that, yeah. Like, what do you mean you're my friend? Like, why can't you hang out? Yeah, you know. And Give if you just said, more. <laughs> if you just told me, well, no, I can't, and I would text you back. What? Why? Why? <laughs> <laughs> why aren't you coming to yeah. my house? Tell me why. Yeah. With some, yeah. Language. But I do have a hard time just letting people down as well. I know this is just fresh for me. So I preached this past week uh, in our series. um, You forgot. I never said that (laughs) Jesus things Jesus never said. And we're kind of going through that kind of debunking misconceptions of things that people think Jesus said. And I was just going through just really Romans five and kind of unpacking that. And I've really been in Romans five a lot, but basically the, just um, of it is you know it talks about how through one man 's sin adam sin entered into the world that sin is now imputed on the many 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 were made sinners, and then sin led to death, death for all people, but then one man 's righteous act, Jesus, led to justification, righteousness, and then life for all people mm-hmm. and I was just kind of going through this and talking about how everyone is forgiven, now everyone doesn't know that they've been forgiven, but the gift was given to every person Mm -hmm. of redemption and forgiveness. And I had someone come up to me afterward and basically just say, so are you saying this, that we can just do whatever we want and we're forgiven people? Like we don't have any consequences like from God based on anything we do. And so I had to kind of walk her through everything and I felt the need to start this process, but I caught myself this week because usually I would explain for 10, 15, 20 minutes on different concepts that I've learned over the last seven years. And then as I talked about forgiveness and how people are forgiven, she's like, well, man, I always just fear for my daughter. Um, and she wanted to ask about like, an afterlife and an afterlife experience for some people that maybe haven't like awakened to the gift that they've been given and the possibility of people being in hell. And I started to talk to her and she might even be listening to this podcast. Um she says she listens and actually that's what I referenced her back to. Cause in this moment I started to unpack everything that I've learned over the last eight years to help maybe give her some understanding. Cause I can't just sell people, well you know, I, I don't know about that. You need to figure that out. Like Mm -hmm. it's so hard for me to just not give an answer to people's questions. And so what I began to do is catch myself. And then I said, well, I'll tell you what, there's two different resources. One, why don't you go back and listen to the podcast? We talk about it a lot. Um, episode 32 Mm -hmm. on there. And then also here's a book resource. And after you read, after you dissect, after you process through this, I said, here's the thing I've been in this for eight years now. And it would be unfair of me to actually start answering your questions because I think I would do more damage than I would be a help right now. And so, after you do some research, study, process it, then we can come back together and we'll be more on a level to have a conversation about it. So, I'm going to just tell you right now, I don't have an answer for you. Wow.
1: You actually, that that was big for me. That's huge. Yeah. I'm going to celebrate you right here on this podcast because I, I,
0: that is such. Now, a I gave wise, some explanation, but, but then is, I just gave her some resources. I said, hey, here's you study it out. But that is such a wise response. I'm actually going to flip
1: our notes real quick because we yeah. actually, we came up with two, um, they're not really like points, but they're just like two things that you need to think about, uh, especially around this, this idea that you have permission to not, not give an, an answer. answer. And, and the first one is this is you have to give people time to process. They both start with a P, so process. You have to give people time to process. And I love what you just said because that is such a wise response. In fact, that influenced what we are about to talk about is we we get paid pretty much to study. We get paid to be available. We get paid to show up for people. We get paid to, to show people Jesus. And hopefully we do a decent job. I know people have experiences yeah. with us. Well, like just where...
0: this week, I got asked a very, very cool experience. I get asked yesterday if today, whenever we're recording this podcast, well, now this podcast gets released on a Wednesday, but the day before, for those of you that are listening, I get asked to go baptize someone who my dad baptized him, and now I get to go baptize his kids in the creek. Like yep. I just make myself available that, for stuff that like that. I'm getting ready to do that after we record. Yeah, And then also I get a call from my mom. They're on vacation. Um, her aunt passed away. Yep. and. Here uh, and her pastor is out of town on vacation. My dad's out on vacation, and then since they're gone, they ask if I could do it. So Thursday I'll be doing a funeral. So I, I'm just chiming in here. Yeah. I guess I'm just kind of giving myself low affirmation. And this is what we get yeah. kind of paid to do in a way. Yeah. Um, to be available for people. Yeah. It's and a I huge know, aspect. I know of it.
1: some uh, people on our team are experiencing the death of uh, their baby that was still in the womb, and we had one of our pastors go and watch their kids for several hours while they were dealing with that stuff at the hospital. And it's just like, that's, I mean, it's not what we get paid to do, but yeah, it is what we get paid to do. I mean, there's, there's an aspect of, um, you know, we do life with people and we really care about this community. We, we want to be there for, uh, for people. And so like this, this process stuff though, we get time to, or we have the time. I have the margin, especially over the last 10 years to look at a subject, read opposing views of this subject, talk about it with you, process through it, time and space to dissect it. Well, what does this mean? Hypotheticals. And we come to conclusions, not often in a dogmatic way, but it's like, Hey, I, I am very well studied on a lot of subjects where I've come to conclusions, but I don't also want to be preaching my conclusion dogmatically because I'm also aware that I could be wrong. And I'm also aware of the opposing argument. So when people have a problem with something that we say, it can be very frustrating for us who have actually spent time, because a lot of people, especially in the American church, believe uh, believe a version of Christianity that was passed down to them from their mama or their grandma, and that version of Christianity is really only like 100 years old. When you look at the early church fathers and uh, church history, most of what the American church believes was not a foundational belief for people when Christianity really started and wasn't really the heart of Jesus a lot of the times. And I I know I just put a blanket statement and that was like a big thing, but what I'm trying to say is it is not fair for us to just tell people what to believe when we've had the time and space to process. I'm going to give a very controversial perspective we get asked all the time about what we believe about homosexuality. And I've, I've just come to this place where I'm not giving people an answer in, in this season of life because I'm still processing it because I have done a deep study on this, unpacked a lot of things, understand the arguments on both sides, understand what is going on in our culture today. And many people don't actually understand this conversation because they think the Bible is clear about it, but it's not as clear as you might think. And so really just giving people time to process of, hey, I'm here for you in this season. I can give you some resources. I can challenge your thought perspective, but at the end of the day, this is something that you need to journey through and not just believe everything that I have to say on a topic because we really ultimately need to do a better job of this personally, um, of letting people process, you know, Again, we might have spent hours uh, studying a specific topic and we expect other people to come to that same conclusion or know everything to know on the subject right away without giving them that time and space to
0: process. So, Right. So then when people come to you, maybe for an answer, maybe whatever field you're in. I know we're in the pastoral world. Maybe for you, it's a different world. You have a different vocation, a different leaning, a different area of study. And people might want to come to you for answers, but be willing to give people time to process in whatever that is. Mm -hmm. Now you can answer them. You can answer slowly. You can answer full blown. You you have the freedom, right? You have permission to do it any way how you feel. But also when it comes to matters that maybe people won't have an immediate understanding, maybe give them time to process on their own. And I know something my dad taught me a long time ago, especially when I took over here um, as lead pastor over 10 years ago now, um, he just said, turn the boat slow. Mm-hmm. And so I've kind of always ran with that. I know I've had a lot of conversation with you, with Reggie, um, just different people as I've led, I didn't want to treat my leadership like I was on a jet ski. Cause if it's just me, I can turn a jet ski on a dime, mm-hmm. right? I can turn it fast. I can do a 180 in a matter of two seconds if I want to, but I have to treat when I'm trying to love people well. I have to treat maybe what I know, and especially leading a church organization, I have to treat it like I'm the captain of the Titanic. mm Slow and steady, because I don't want anyone falling off. But the Titanic might be a very bad example. I just realized that. (laughs) Oh my God. I just threw that out there like that. You're not gonna turn it quick (laughs) enough, so you're gonna hit that iceberg. And I hit the iceberg (laughs) and we all go down. (laughs) Oh my god, I can't believe I just said that. It like just exploded in my mind when I said that. But it's still such a good illustration. But you know what I mean. Turn the boat slow.
1: Such a good illustration because So people don't fall. Here's here's one thing. Okay, here's something that's quotable. Faith is an adventure. Therefore Faith is not a one-time decision. So many people are like, oh, you got to ask Jesus into your heart. That's nowhere in the scriptures. You, you won't find that at all. That's an, that's an American version of Christianity that's not even real. Faith is not a one-time decision. Faith is an adventure. It is everything that you experience. It's the cultural experiences. It's what you believe and what you don't believe, what you doubt and what you don't doubt. And that changes over time as you grow. And so it's it's less about coming to conclusions and more about just, like we said last week, about being curious and loving people in the midst of disagreement because faith is an adventure and you have to give people this time and space to process. I love that, learning to turn the boat slow enough so people don't
0: fall off. Yeah, so we give people time to process. As right, we're trying to figure out how to have permission, give ourselves permission to not have an answer. So we give people time to process. And then the second thing is we have to take the pressure off of ourself to know it all. yeah. Like we have to be okay to say things like, I don't know. So and good. it's so hard though. And that could be like resonating with a lot of you. But if you're like me, I feel like a lot of times I need to have the answer. And especially in the church world, as a pastor, people expect me to have the answer to all of life life's questions and questions about spirituality, about scripture, about following Jesus. But at the end of the day, there are a lot of things that I don't know fully Mm -hmm. or I'm not fully settled in where I'm at personally. So I'm not going to preach something or try to lead people towards something that I myself am still trying to weigh and think through. And so I have found myself more and more lately saying, I don't know. And especially when it comes to theology, right? The study of God, like there is still so much mystery. And I think that's what really bothers a lot of people. And I know you've referenced this book before. I have not read it, uh, but you talk a lot about the sin of certainty. People Mm -hmm. just want to be certain about everything. They want assurance about everything. But if you're certain about everything, then that leaves no room for um, anything new. It doesn't leave room for any mystery in your life any mystery of God.
1: Don't you go dying on us.
0: Yeah, and honestly, there are just so many unknowns. Like we can't, I think, know for sure about some things, but a lot of times we end up making up stuff. Mm -hmm. Matter of fact, we are in this series, I never said that, things Jesus never said, right? And I think that's why we even have to address things like this in a series because people aren't okay with saying I don't know and so they start making up things that they think Jesus said to try to bring certainty to their life, right? <laughs> yeah. So anyway, yeah, we got to take the pressure off to there, know it there all. That, this is what I have to learn.
1: I was trying to look up because uh, Hannah Beasley, she recommended this book, Atlas of the Heart by Brené Brown. It is phenomenal, phenomenal book. And she was talking about how, um, again, it's a leadership perspective, but I was, trying to, I was trying to find the quote because I wrote it down. So you might have to talk for a minute. Oh, Oh, here it is. Go ahead. Research shows that when experts in specific fields express their own doubts, they become more persuasive in their arguments. More credible. And she said when we admit uncertainty, it surprises people and then they end up paying more attention. Like that that is neuroscience. And I, I love that perspective of of showing people your doubts and whatnot, because I think that Christianity as a whole, especially pastors, haven't done a good job of showing people their own process, but also showing people that they have permission to not know. Yeah. And this is like huge for people in the church because, you know, I'll, I'll say it this way. We have to allow people to get uncomfortable with not knowing everything. And that is hard for us as, humani- as yeah. humans because we love to be right. We love to know it all. We love to impress people like we're educated on every topic. In fact, one of my friends just was like, hey, do you know how many uh, corn grow on each stalk? And I was like, yeah, probably like two or three. He's like, no, one. I was like, what? He goes, yeah, if there's more than one, it's because they've been modified at the seed form. He goes, and they're like a quarter of the size. Those mini corns are like what corn is supposed to be naturally and we've like produced them massively to be these huge things that they were never like created or intended to be and it's crazy how like humanity has manipulated something at seed form to grow into something that it that it wasn't and yeah. it was like for me that was like wow i didn't i didn't know that 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 was crazy but like in the in the church world we we carry this pressure to know it all and sometimes we need to allow people to venture out and sometimes we need to put more study in and sometimes we need to lean into the spirit, not sometimes, all times we need to lean into the spirit because like you did say, yeah, there is mystery and unknowns and you can't physically and possibly know it all. It's impossible.
0: Yeah. So why do people refuse then to say, I don't know? What do you think?
1: Uh, there's multiple reasons. I'd say number one would be our, e- our own ego and ego plays a, a, a big part of, yep. you know, the power struggle, authority, having power over people, uh, the ego definitely. Yeah. We don't want to show people that we're weak or that we're unstudied on certain topics.
0: Yeah. I know for me, I always just want to be a help to somebody. So I try to come up with an answer, even if it might not be fully 100% accurate. I I mean, at least I try. Yeah. You know, what's crazy too, this idea of, (laughs) of not giving an answer. It's one of those things where you ask somebody something and they get kind of like real confident. People can say almost anything and we'll believe them if they say it with confidence. They will. I have found that to be true, even if it's one hundred percent false. Yeah. I've, I've even done that before. Yeah, I was about to say <laughs> I was about to say I've done that to you.
1: <laughs> yeah, I would say, yeah, to be helpful, but there there is probably more negatives than positives behind the reason for why people don't say I don't know. Right.
0: Insecurities but, for sure.
1: Yeah. They, yeah, insecurities. Like I don't want
0: to look someone to look at me as oh, why is he a pastor? He doesn't know. That yeah, and he's claiming to be a pastor. He should know that, and he's saying he doesn't know, or he's not giving an answer. Yeah, that's surprising. And to play a part of like y- y- you sometimes
1: because you want to be helpful, that could also be a, the core of you're actually guilty because you don't know, so you're you're trying to you know, be helpful. Yeah, might feel, yeah. That there's, I don't know something. There's a plethora of reasons. That, I I know for me in like Christianity, you don't save nobody. Uh, that's not proper English. You don't save anybody. And once I took off this pressure that, like, I have to make sure that people know Jesus because of me, it actually made Christianity more fun for me. And once you take off this pressure that you have to save people because you don't save anybody and Jesus saved people already, you know, 2,000 years ago, they just yep. need to awaken to it. Yep, It takes this pressure off, and you actually enjoy Jesus way more because people are not assignments. And... That, that brings me comfort. So yeah, learn to say, or I was going to say, learn to say no, but the answer is, or this week's permission is learn to not give an answer, right? especially on subjects you don't know about, or especially
0: when you haven't studied. Yeah. So you have permission to ask questions and then you have permission to not give an answer. And how you do this is you take the pressure off of yourself to know it all, learn to say, I don't know, but then also give people time to process on their own.
1: Yeah, so this was good. Share it with somebody that you think would benefit from the conversation.
0: All right, and with that, just know you're loved and there's nothing you can do about it.